gets colder Russia uh, hack thing is being kind of pushed by CNN, and uh, there's another group of researchers on the Internet that are really looking at Seth Rich as the source of a leak. So it's really kind, kind of come down to, you know, really now to Trump's impeachment, uh, and it's either a leak or a hack. And, uh, you know, it almost reminds me of the old days with Miller Lite. It, you know, tastes great, less filling. You know, one side yells one thing, one side yells the other. And, um, you know, from the data I'm looking at, of course, I've been presenting data that supports the fact that it, it is a leak, in fact. Um, but the deeper and deeper you go, I follow the facts. So I always have to have a little bit of, of flexibility in exactly what I think, because, like you say, it's just the facts. You can't look for just evidence that support, supports your own theory. And I'm moving to something that's in between. I'm going to be the little uh, the little minnow that goes in between the dam before the dam closes. If one side of the dam is is hack and the other side of the dam is leak, and I'm going to say that it may be a fish. 
a fish. So I'm not talking about F-I-S-H fish, but I'm talking about a P-H-I-S-H. So it may be a fishing operation uh, in the DNC uh, from the beginning of, uh, really, the beginning of the primary in, in February of 2015 all the way through the convention. Um, and it's a fish for information, um, which is the uh, information in the N uh, DNC database. And it's a, also a fish for money with uh, fake websites and so forth. So it's going to be quite a it's going to be quite a turn of events today uh, with uh, with what I'm saying. It, it, you know, it's either a hack or it, or it's either a leak. Well, maybe not. It might be a fish. Wow! Well, so many people have been murdered over this. I mean, I mean, how many people say in the last year have been murdered? Well, um, I would say, you know, there's the three WikiLeaks guys. I call them the, I used to say they were the Wiki Trio. And uh, so to, for people to understand the connection to all these, all these murders, they would have to look at Seth Rich at the end of May, May let's say around uh, May, May 25th, sending information to WikiLeaks. And That's he, in 2016, uh, right? May 25th and 2016. 2016. And he, sends, right. he might try to send a little bit before that. He might try to send information electronically to WikiLeaks Dropbox. Mm -hmm. right. So, that, so the, the, the person that goes to actually isn't Julian Assange, to a guy named Gavin McFadden in London. Well, right. Gavin McFadden uh, also mirrors his site, WikiLeaks site, to two different attorneys. One is in New York, here in New York with me. I mean, he's not here, he's dead now. But the other attorney, attorney is in the UK. And the, uh, the, the UK attorney is John Jones, and then the, um, the New York attorney is Mike Ratner. All of those people die uh, within a very close proximity of May 25th. Uh, 2016. So those are the Wiki Three. Those are all the founders. The reason why they mirror the site, the reason why they mirror the site, uh, WikiLeaks does is with the lawyers is so that uh, there's attorney-client privilege. So the FBI has to go through a few more hoops, and the MI6 has to go through a few more hoops to, to confiscate and seize attorney's office information because of attorney-client privilege than they do if they were just, a, a, you know, going after a citizen's laptop or Seth Rich's laptop. So that's why they do that. So the, that's the first three that die. The, um, um, the other two that die I call the DNC duo. Uh, and the DNC duo, one is Seth Rich and the other is Sean Lucas, who files a lawsuit against the DNC, which is still proceeding, by the way. Right. Um, Seth Rich dies on July 7th, and then Sean Lucas dies about a month later after the convention. And then, of course, there's Eric Braverman, and he's the sixth person who we don't know is, if he's dead or not. So I call it now the Wiki Six, the Wiki Six, those six people, and I call Eric Braverman the Powerball because we really don't know if Eric Braverman's alive or dead. I think he's alive on a kibbutz in Israel, but we don't know yet. We don't have proof of life. Right. We can't seem to get that, can we? 
from Braverman. I think we're going to get it. I think we're going to get it pretty soon. I think they have to bring Braverman out of mothballs. I think he's living on a kibbutz. Uh, I've got confirmation of that from intelligence sources in France and different places. I think he's about 25 miles from Tel Aviv, and his brother is a rabbi in that small town, and I believe he's that's where he is. I believe his mother's there also. Okay. This spy ring in Congress, I, I want to jump right to the meat of it. Give us the names of some sure. of these members of Congress that have been that are, have been spied on. I mean, they, these are one brothers from Pakistan, and now they've escaped and went back to Pakistan, but the government had to let them go, um, set up this spy ring, but they were actually working for who? Well, I the mean, key I say they individuals... Set up the spy ring, but they're working for who? Well, the key individuals are going to be Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who's going to be kind of the, the ringmaster, if you will. Um, then you're going to have uh, various uh, members of Congress in different kind of, think of them as just the sanctuary cities congressmen. You're going to have Bracera in California. You're going to have Joaquin in Texas. You're going to have uh, Swalwell in California. You're going to have, um, oh, I'm just trying to think of all the different representatives. You're going to have Carson in Indiana, Andre Carson in Indiana. Um, and you're going to have Paul Ryan to, in Wisconsin. What about Paul Ryan in Wisconsin? No, no, they only work for Democrats. They only work for Democrats. And the reason for that is they were mainly charged with spying on Democrats to create leverage for Hillary Clinton um, uh, through the midterms and, and presidential elections. And when they weren't bothering themselves with elections, then they could move off to hacking um, you know, more state secrets uh, for building campaign funds. So, but... You really don't need to put pressure. Uh, the reason why they didn't hack uh, them, uh, Republicans and they didn't infiltrate Republicans is that you really don't have to worry about them until the general election. Um, so they're going to uh, they're going to be working for 20 different members of Congress currently, and when they go to the White House, and, and uh, they're going to take 20 uh, different laptops and at least. 20 different laptops, and they're going to confiscate 20 Blackberries, at least. And the, uh, the Capitol Police are going to confiscate those. And then um, we're uh, they're they're going to put those back in after they've been wiped clean. And I think the dates now. I can pretty much say the dates now. I think are going to be a couple of days before Seth Rich dies, and they're going to put the uh, cleaned white uh, Blackberries and. Uh, laptops back into Congress, I think on the 12th, on uh, July 12th, uh, after Seth Rich's death. Okay. So, so how come Congress is not investigating this? I mean, why aren't there hearings every day to get to the bottom of this? Well, you know, these one brothers, you know, they're paid three times as much as everybody else in Congress, uh, congressional staffers. We went, to, we went to Washington and went into a lot of these offices. If you watch our videos on our channel, uh, George Webb, um, uh, Jason Goodman and I, with, uh, yeah, Jason Goodman and I, I, I am uh, kind of a, a Hollywood uh, producer, director with me now. And he'll, he'll eventually do the, uh, do the documentary on this and, and, the, and the feature movie if it turns into that. Uh, Great. So, uh, yeah, so we will see what happens, but I have to live through it first. But live or die, well, he'll be the guy. I'm so worried about you What's, this past weekend, man. They had you trapped up in that one hotel when you were alone, huh? 
Yeah, in Brooklyn. I went into the Devil's Den, and I should have known better. But, I mean, I had to do that story there in front of the Clinton Foundation, and there was just no other way to do that story. And uh, I had to go into the Devil's Den. But but I got out of it. Uh, somebody, one of my viewers from Brooklyn, uh, was kind of Johnny to the rescue, Johnny T to the rescue. It was fun. It was an exciting day, actually. It makes for uh, a, a kind of a good good video. And he's funny. He's a comedian, so he's... he's He's telling jokes the whole way, and I, I certainly hope that was captured on the film. But if you go to crowdsource, uh, if you go to crowdsourcethetruth.org, .org, um, that's where you're going to find kind of like the making of this movie. It's kind of what what is now is they're kind of Jason's kind of gathering the B-roll uh, of this whole movie. You know, the B-roll is kind of like you don't want to watch a talking head all the time, so you kind of want to see this action going on. So um, so it's kind of a reality TV right now, and then it'll be cut up later, I think, into uh, more, of a, more of a movie, more of a documentary first, and then may, maybe a movie later. Right. Well, you know, this is yeah. so scary because, I mean, it is to the point that they just murder anybody in plain sight and get away with it, and nothing gets done about it. I mean, yeah. you know, your investigation into the Seth Rich murder, um, you know, I mean, the mainstream media doesn't cover it. Um, I mean, the rewards are out there now. What is it, up over a half a million dollars rewards for, for information yeah. about Seth Rich murder? Um, but the mainstream yeah. media blocks it. People in Congress are blocking it. Um, this is horrible. Well, it does affect so many members of Congress. That's the problem. And you've got to remember, these, these people, their wands have been in the Congress at least since 2003. So they've been, they've been collecting dirt now for 13, 14 years on everybody in Congress. Now, here is where you won't just get leverage on the Democrats. You'll also do hacking on Republicans. So, I mean, Hillary has had 13, 14 years at least with the Awans, and I think longer than that, to build up her file on uh, political opponents. And so everyone's, everyone's scared. I mean, there's, you can, up there on the Hill, you can sense the fear. There's just fear everywhere you go on anybody talking about this. Now, I saw the Senate did uh, say that they wanted to move, I think, for an investigation uh, yesterday. Uh, on the 4th, uh, or maybe it was today, I guess, the Daily Caller had an article, but I haven't, haven't had a chance to read the article yet. Um, now, and, and Blake uh, Farenthold, representative, I think he's from the 26th in Texas, has also called for an investigation in the Seth Rich murder. So gradually, I think people in Congress are coming forward, um, and we'll, we'll see uh, if there are some courageous souls that step forward. In, in the meantime, our job, you know, at, is to really be out. And Jason and I are just really uh, be out in front of the truth and be the be the tip of the spear, so that uh, uh, so that you don't have to be the first guy. You don't have to be the point man. You can kind of come in behind uh, the, the all the other folks. Uh, you know, come in behind us and. and the good thing is, if if the point man goes down, then everybody knows everybody behind him knows to duck. So until I'm I'm gone, then you really are safe. Um, I'm the canary in the mine shaft, if you will, on this investigation. And when I go down, then you can make a decision if you want to keep going with the investigation or not. We can't have you go down. This is, this is what all of us are so afraid of. I mean, you have done this investigation, and I know Jason has come on now, and he's really a great help to you. And, and Trish, you know, 
this past weekend was a great help to you. But, yeah, if they, if they would kill you, George, I mean, this, this sounds so disrespectful. But, yeah, that would be the loudest message to all these members of Congress. You will stay shut up or look what will happen to you. George is the one right out there, you know, for the whole world watching now. And it is the whole world is watching this. And um, yeah. I wouldn't put nothing past them. I mean, that day, how did you escape? I mean, they wanted you to get in that elevator with that guy with the black bag um, Two of them. at that hotel. And you, you declined <laughs> to ride with them. Thank God. Yeah. There wasn't room. <laughs> they yeah, were gigantic. Was but I, I'm big, but, you know, it was, it was, I think it was the, the yeah, anyway. Um, the, uh, uh, if I hadn't seen the, uh, as I was starting to move toward the elevator and put one foot in it, if I hadn't seen that black bag unzipped, right. you know, it's just, it's just too much coincidence. It, that black bag started unzipped as soon as I was getting one, one more foot in the elevator. I, I said, oh, you know what? You guys take the next one. This is, this one's kind of full. So, and the, the door, for some reason, the door to the stairs was, was chained. And so, or not chained, but it was, it was not functional. And I got out about 30 minutes later, I called down and the, the door was, was working again. So I, I went down the stairs and uh, was able to get out of Brooklyn. So, you know, SEIU is going to be the union. Everybody, you know, associates unions and organized crime. And it's, it's just kind of painting everybody with a broad brush. Most of the people at SEIU are great employees. It's just there is an element, there is a criminal element at the bottom that uses the SEIU as a cover to do some nasty things. And this is going to be, you know, nationwide. And this is going to be the kind of the key connection between the Clintons uh, kind of a dirty, uh, kind of a dirty tricks network or, or dirty deeds network and the Clinton Foundation. Right. Now, with, with this firing, when they steal... What kind of information? What kind of information do they get on those Congress people? I mean, what what all what all can they go through by capturing those laptops and them cell phones? Well, Director Comey confirmed, along with uh, uh, Andrew McCabe, with a uh, a letter two days after Comey's uh, present uh, presentation in Congress, that indeed the way that they're getting the emails of the congressional members is by giving them Blackberries that sync that do BlackBerry syncing with a laptop. And then the laptops then sync with the Awan Brothers kind of master server. And uh, so, so they're going to get all the, all the emails. Also going to get the files of the staff because what's going to happen is your staffers are going to be emailing you, oh, here's the... Now, when, now, we're talking about when you're on Capitol Hill, you're supposed to just be doing the business systems. This is about getting laws passed and meeting with constituents and, and recording their um, their concerns and so forth and, and your notes from your committee meetings and so forth. And that's the business end of being in Congress. So so all the information about uh, process, uh, you know, you know, making a law into a bill. Think of that cartoon with, you know, on Saturday morning TV. That's that's going to be all the stuff they get. So if you're especially in the area of contracting. Uh, with the Treasury Department, uh, the Treasury Department has an Office of Public Debt, and the Office of Public Debt does all the contracting. So what what the Awan brothers concentrated on was mainly large military contracts, so like the F-35, the Boeing Super Tanker, the MHC helicopters, 
the Black Hawk helicopters, um, all these kind of things, because there's literally hundreds and hundreds and not thousands of subcontractors. And so they forced the they forced the subcontractors and contractors also to use these doped blackberries that they could sink. So that gave them access to everything, uh, every subcontractor. And then if you throw business one subcontractor's way or another, you then can get your commission as a as a campaign contribution. So think of the sure. Clinton Foundation as as one side of a transaction, and the other side of the transaction is is giving a competitor key information. For instance, it might be a proposal by your competitor, and then you would be expected to then give a contribution to the Clinton Foundation in kind. Sure. Well, they made a fortune. The Clinton Foundation made a fortune off of this type of operation, haven't they? Yeah, well, pay to play. And it's funny, when the emails of Huma Abedin are discovered, and there's 650,000 of those, um, right. you know, the, one of the first things the police chief here in New York says, Boyce says, is pay to play. That's the first mm-hmm. thing he says. He says the other stuff that you mentioned, child trafficking and exploitation and all that sort of thing. And I always tend to play that down because I always talk about pay to play more because that's kind of my background. But, um, yeah, it's, it's all there in the emails. So one of the things I recommend is that the current FBI director, Andrew McCabe, who I certainly have had my uh, run-ins with, um, I recommend he publish all the emails, the metadata from all the emails, because he's kind of under a cloud because he took $675,000 from Terry McAuliffe um, that he didn't declare on his uh, ethics form. You're supposed to declare anything over $200. So he, I think he has, he has to get out from under that cloud. You know, Senator Grassley wrote him a letter and asked him to come before Congress and explain that. He still hasn't done that. It was about a month ago. So I think, you know, in order to get out from under this cloud, he should publish those emails, publish the metadata for those emails. And, of course, by publishing the metadata, uh, that wouldn't endanger any uh, 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 state secrets. Right. Now, they just did a raid on Huma Abedin's uh, relative's house over there, by Detroit, I think it is near Detroit, and um, and supposedly a big FBI raid over the weekend. What do you think? Do you think that that's where Huma had had her emails uh, stored over there? Well, I actually about a month ago went to the door of Imran Awan. I think they were stored with the Awans until about a month ago, and there was a. They had rented the house to a uh, military family, and one one a retired or just had retired Marine, young guy, and then a wife who's still in the Navy, and and he told me that Imran Awan used a false name to rent him the house, and then rented the house through his wife to cover the transaction, so it didn't look like a member of Congress was in the real estate business with the twelve houses that he owned. Um, but then he went, proceeded to tell me that he found this cache. He found this cache of laptops and Blackberries. And I said, well, did they have official government markings? And he said, yes, they did. And I said, well, what did you do? He said, well, I called the FBI. And uh, I said, oh, what happened then? Well, the FBI came over and got the laptops and came over and got the Blackberries. I said, oh, okay, well, that's, that's interesting. Um, and then uh, what else happened? Well, NCIS, which is the Naval Intelligence Investigative Unit, came over and interviewed the wife to make sure that she hadn't been a national security leak because these were 
classified blackberries, um, and uh, they didn't do anything with her. They didn't arrest her or anything. She was clean as a whistle. So finally, they pushed it down to the Capitol Police. So what happened was the Capitol Police then had the uh, blackberries and laptops, so they moved over to 119D Street in Washington, right behind the Hart Office Senate building. Well, then um, Debbie Wasserman Schultz tried to get those laptops and blackberries, and you probably can go on YouTube and witness her threatening the budget of the Capitol Police three different times. Uh, to get those Wasn't that right in a congressional well, hearing that she did that? Yeah, was it? Well, it's not a hearing, but what they call it is a conference room. You can call people in for what they call background, and you can bring them in. And it, it is a hearing, but it's in a kind of a more of a briefing setting rather than the things you see on television in one of the larger conference rooms, uh, where it's a, right. an official meeting. So that's why she did it in one of the private conference rooms so that it wouldn't be televised, so it, w it, w it would be quiet. But somebody televised it anyway and then published the, um, the video, and I can't remember who did it. So at that yeah, point, I don't remember either, but she is desperate to get them back, isn't she? Oh, yeah, she threatened them, and then she said there will be consequences. Well, now you're in a real position because we went, we went down, we were at Capitol Hill that day, and we went down to the police chief. We asked to speak to the public information officer. We asked to speak to the uh, police chief of the Capitol Police now, that's the innermost square inside of D.C., um, and uh, uh, we asked to meet with them. We waited for them at a, at a location next door for a, a goodly length of time, and nobody came over uh, to talk with us and answer our questions. Well, now you're in a real fix because everyone in the world on Capitol Hill and everyone in the world now knows where exactly where the blackberries are now. It's kind of like follow the moving blackberries and moving laptops. Well, if you're the FBI, you have to somehow explain how those things got moved. Remember, the FBI, when I went to the Lorton Street address and found the Blackberries originally and found the laptops originally, you have to move those. So uh, they had, they, when they were confiscated, they were given to the Capitol Police, right? So that, Debbie, I didn't know for a fact they were with the Capitol Police until Debbie Washington Schultz confirmed that with the police chief. Now, somebody, now someone can FOIA those or through a lawsuit, Judicial Watch through a lawsuit, can retrieve those. And they have really literally the answer to all the tests. So now you have to move those out and create a cover story because the FBI never admitted confiscating those Blackberries and laptops at the Lorton home. Right. So now you got to put them, you got to put them back out in the public, right? And then reconfiscate them to bring them back to bring them back into FBI control, because they were in Capitol Police control. So what do you do now? Do you do you go down to does you go down to um, uh, do you go down does does Andrew McCabe drive the big FBI van down the street? over to the Capitol uh, evidence locker and then load the Blackberries and laptops in directly into his van? That would be a little bit obvious. Yeah. No, no, he, he, it would be a little obvious, right? Right. So for getting those laptops and Blackberries into FBI custody, because as long as they're out there, they prove my case, right? So. And I published, I published the name of the a Marine that told me that those Blackberries and laptops were there. His name's Andre Taggart. So I believe that what you're going to find in the Huma Abedin raid is going to be those same, the same Blackberries and laptops 
um, that the Iwan brothers were using to uh, to uh, BlackBerry sync the uh, different members of Congress. So now they have a cover story. And they moved it to Dearborn. They did it in Dearborn. Yeah, I think it was. Anti-Muslim things. Yeah, I think it's 14, right. uh, 1426 Johnson Avenue. They're, they're trying to hide behind Huma again. They're trying to hide behind the Muslim uh, human shield. They're trying to hide behind, you know, that whole thing to get, you know, Democrats and, and Republicans fighting again. But if you go back to my original series, I think this was about 45, 50 days ago, I went to that home. I said it that night. I talked with Luke Rosiak of the uh, Daily Caller, and his testimony was that they moved the Blackberries um, over to the Capitol Police, to that uh, evidence case at Capitol Police. You know, you know, as of a week ago, the Blackberries and laptops were at the Capitol Police because Debbie Wasserman Schultz was threatening the police chief. Right. So right. She, she wouldn't be doing that if the Blackberries were in Huma's possession. Right. Now, didn't I hear you say that you you think it was um you think it was Wiener that set up this um set up this blackmail ring? Yeah, you Any know everybody's going to be surprised to hear that the whole sex texting thing and everything is kind of a cover story. Sure. Andrew Wiener is actually actually quite quite a good operative. Um, I think you're going to find him. You know, he goes to Congress in 1999 through 2012. Um, you know, I have occasionally had the uh, angel of Israel on my shoulder. I'll be the first to admit. Um, and, you know, Anthony has had the angel of Israel on his shoulder uh, as well. And um, I think he actually is going to be the one who brings the Awans in from Pakistan under an H-1B visa through a program called either Inter-America uh, or Inter-America Bank. I'm talking about the Juan Gutierrez Inter-America and the Inter-America Bank, or it's going to be a, 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 another kind of CIA front called Development Alternatives, Inc. in Chevy Chase, Maryland, or DIA. So it's going to be one of those two. Um, they brought in other people through the uh, New York Film uh, Academy as well, and I exposed that. So there's a lot of different ways to get people in the country, but it's going to be one of a couple of those links that the, that's how they get the Wan brothers in the United States. No, no, I see rumors that uh, oh, that that uh, Anthony Weiner and Hume are cooperating now and and things like this. Do you think there's any truth to that? Oh yeah, I don't ever really think that they were married. I mean, I, I think that it's a kind of a, a kind of a school play, if you will. Um, uh -huh. You know, Anthony's pretty much a single guy, and he kind of, you know, carouses as, as, as well. And I think, uh, you know, Huma has her close personal friends as well. <laughs> yeah, and I, so I think getting back together, the reason why I think getting back together is important is because if, they're, if they do go to trial and they do throw kind of Huma under the bus, They'll be able to remarry Huma and uh, Anthony, and then they won't have to testify against each other. So, really, this by saying he's getting back together, it's really providing a Fifth Amendment defense for Anthony Weiner. Okay, yeah. When I seen that headline, I didn't even bother reading the article that she invited him back to the home and stuff. That's what I thought immediately yeah. too. That oh, sure, keep them married. If the conspiracy, yeah. If the conspiracy oh. collapses, you you almost have to do that. Because right. the Fifth Amendment protection is is so complete um, that you, any friends and family. Uh, so it's actually quite a wise move 
uh, in terms of, you know, chess playing in the judicial chess playing game. Right. Now, um, do, do you, do you, are you getting any information on if they are going to release these emails? Well, I mean, if Andrew McCabe, the only way the emails are going to be released is if Andrew McCabe is no longer the director of the FBI. Uh, there's no way that any of that stuff's coming from the vault. Um, there's a vault in Clarksburg, West Virginia, where the FBI keeps, it started out as the, kind of a fingerprint vault, and then it kind of turned into the biometric uh, specialty vault. But all those right. documents, I believe, are, are going to be in Clarksburg, and there's no way they're coming out uh, unless there's a different FBI director. How many people, if this, if all these emails came out and all this information come out, how many members of Congress are going to be affected by this? Well, Inter-America, the company I was speaking about before, the Juan Gutierrez company, goes back to 1971. So they've been, provide, they've been providing uh, laptops and Blackberries for Congress since then. It's only recently that this uh, Pakistani company called P-Tech, just think of it as Pakistan, short for Pakistani technology, kind of funded by the Saudis, kind of funded by the Saudis, and the, and the people that are being brought in are, are technical experts from Pakistan. So that's been going on for quite some time, but the awans are going to be the latest kind of latest kids on the block from P-Tech, I, I think you're going to find. And there, in America, they would have had access to about 150 Democrats. But there's at least 80 that they've worked for. And okay. the interesting thing, that to prove my point about Anthony Weiner being the person bringing them in, just, just Google the WikiLeaks for Anthony's trusted staff. And I know, uh, you know that doesn't bring up a, a, a great image, but Anthony's trusted staff, you're going to see, and then secure phone, you're going to see he's the guy who has this supposedly trusted staff that are sending these phones around. And what's interesting is Huma replies, Huma replies, with, well, I'll just have blankety-blank send the phone, FedEx the phone from D.C., which is where the Yuan brothers are. Well, it, that's going to be, that's going to be him on. And why, you, why would you redact that from, why would you redact that name from that email? There's no reason. It's, it's a congressional staffer. Why would you redact that name? Well, you had a really hard time even getting anybody to admit that they even knew these Yuan brothers, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, this this is day 225 of the series, and that's 712 videos later. But it's just been a slow accumulation of evidence, 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 with citations and sources to Pulitzer Prize-winning journalists, source documents themselves, newspaper articles, and uh, for the most part, confessions or evidence or videos in the conspirators' own hand or from their own mouth, and... Uh, uh, so it's a continual quest for better and more reliable information. And, if, and I think the big mistake Seth Rich made and the big mistake that Sean uh, uh, Lucas made, who both died in, in July, pretty much within 30 days of each other, is they did it all at once. They dumped it all at once. And so when everybody saw that, then you have time to just go send a team out and get rid of the guy and then, and then step on the leaks and say, well, where did, the, where did WikiLeaks get their leaks from? Um, the 
different strategy I've tried is a little bit more leaks every day. My, my Twitter handle is TruthLeaks, so I try to give a little bit more every day. So there's never any one event that causes death. Um, it's always kind of like, oh, that's a thorn on our side, but it's, it's never kind of that, you know, big uh, dump all at once to, to cause them to send a team out so far. Right. Well, now, why did they let, I mean, this is so in the open, too. I mean, all this stuff that I talk about, what, what I'm so angry is they do all this stuff right out in the open for the whole world to watch, and, and, and they get away with it. Like, how did they let all the Alon brothers and then the wife that they had, kidnapped and were blackmailing and everything her too to leave this country now they're all gone yeah i think uh, you're speaking of uh uh, uh um galvani uh galani galani that's uh, i think her name is salamani galani galani's the stepwife that the awan brothers threaten uh, they threaten to uh kidnap her relatives in pakistan if she doesn't sign over her inheritance uh, to the Awans, and uh, they continually hack her phone to make sure she's not calling for help. And they're imprisoning her in a Springfield, Virginia home that I also visited. Um, so I believe now that she was actually there. The, that was the first door I knocked on, and I believe she was actually there the day I knocked really? on that door. Yeah, I believe she was there because later she came out after that. She came out and went to the police and filed a, a complaint that the Daily Caller published in middle April, in mid-April. Uh, right. Of course, now uh, the article is out now that she has now left the country. Right, and, and she wouldn't have done this on her own. So this is the kind of stuff no. I mean. They're just doing, she, she, you know, like how she was a victim they let of this. She, those spies leave right. this country. Well, there's actually going to be six. Um, I believe that they're going to have diplomatic passports. There's a meeting at the White House with Omar Awan um, where they're going to have diplomatic passports with a – and diplomatic is sort of like no checking at all. There's, there's diplomatic pouches that you can carry, which can be a lot bigger than the old diplomatic pouches. You can even rent a container under the guise of diplomatic passports. Sure. So you've got these guys with diplomatic passports, and and they're working in Congress and set up a spy ring, but then they can get away with this, and then when, when they're busted, and it's been out there for months that they were doing this, they just are allowed to leave this country. Yeah. I, I would say that there is a little bit more mainstream media recognition now of this. I, I was just on InfoWars two days ago with Mike Chernovich, and he right. interviewed me about it. Um, there's another uh, company that comes into the DNC even before. I believe it's going to be Seth Rich is going to start leaking, I think, right around, uh, I'm going to say, uh, April 29th. I've said this over and over. He's going to send the information to WikiLeaks, to the electronic uh, WikiLeaks. That same day, kind of the Boston Globe, publishes a cover story that says, you know, there's a low-level help desk person um, that uh, detected uh, um, uh, a large amount of information leaving. So they, they kind of cover it then, and, and, that, and that's what I talk about metadata. When you start getting something like the Boston Globe saying this, the CEO, Amy Dacey, uh, of the, Clinton, uh, of the um, uh, DNC, was informed, I think that's when it happened. Uh, April the 29th was when he sent the first 
a thing of email. I think uh, CrowdStrike, or the, this company, is brought in, and for people who don't know, it's 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 CrowdStrike has been given a hundred million dollars by the Google Google Capital. It's kind of a CIA cleanup operation. CrowdStrike is actually if there's a two or three people um, who are all leaking, it's to come in and clean them up and erase any existence of their existence, right? Um, and that's why the name CrowdStrike. Um, now, you have them coming in in force. I think they actually come in in force uh, right as soon as they found the Seth Rich leak. And they start looking for who's the leaker, who's the leaker. Now, they formally announce that they're, they're on site May 5th, and, and then they're there another six weeks. So, you know, you're Seth Rich. You're watching all these guys, these Russian hackers. Um, you know, CrowdStrike basically uh, took all these Russian hacking tools um, from the um, um, father of this guy named Mikhail Alperovich. And now, and his son becomes... Um, uh, I can't remember his first name right now for some reason. Uh, not 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 Mikhail uh, uh, Alperovich, but um, his son. Hey, what's that? Dmitri Dmitri Alperovich Dmitri Alperovich. So he's the CTO, and he's kind of like the lead hacker, cleaner upper, intrusion detection person. He's kind of like the cleaner uh, in when Harvey Keitel in the movie. Um, uh, it, uh, I can't remember the name of the movie, <laughs> but he comes in at the end and kind of cleans cleans everybody up. Um, uh, Pulp Fiction, Pulp Fiction. He's the cleaner. Oh, okay. comes in. That's that's kind of like CrowdStrike is going to be coming in, and you re- got to remember they're there for six weeks, and this is the really untold story of of this whole investigation. CrowdStrike's there for six weeks, and they can't find who is the leaker, who's the leaker. And now you're Seth Rich, and you're watching all these Russian guys. You know, turning over all the laptops and so forth, and going through everything, and you—you're not going to send. And oh, by the way, the person you sent the email to, Gavin McFadden, you're hearing from him, but the email sounds funny. It doesn't sound like Gavin McFadden. It sounds like Gavin McFadden's been intercepted. And then the other two people that you might be communicating with, Ratner and Jones, um, are, are die. So now you're all by yourself. Yeah. The only way you can get the information out now is by a thumb drive. So, right. so I believe that Seth Rich makes his first drop, which is going to be on the uh, uh, Memorial Day weekend. Now, CrowdStrike, I believe, comes in on Monday, uh, on that Friday, and says, everybody leave your laptops. It might happen the following weekend. But everybody leave your laptops here for the weekend, and we're going to clean them for viruses and, and whatnot. Well, yeah. what happens is they wipe all the laptops completely clean. Uh, they're looking for those WikiLeaks, right? Right. And they're also looking for this information from the DNC voter database uh, that I can talk about later called uh, NGP Van. Well, he, I think, made a thumb drive and, and hands off that thumb drive at the barbecue or whatever it is on Memorial Day, right around Memorial Day. I'm not exactly sure what day. It might have been the 28th of, of May. Um, and that's how the first trove, because remember, the last WikiLeaks email is May 25th. So the first trove of email would have been him taking the zip drive out of the thumb drive out of the computer, out of his laptop, 
and then he would have it in his pocket until the weekend. Uh, so we don't know. Uh, that hasn't come out yet, but that's that first trove of WikiLeaks. And I think he tries to do another drop with the same person, with the same co-conspirator, the same co, you know, the same uh, panda, another panda in one of his group of pandas, and on July 4th, on July 4th. Um, you know, that day he's wearing the American flag and he's drinking the red, white, and blue beer. And uh, that, and then Comey, on that, they, they do intercept that, I believe. They are successful. Now, if that did get through, that could be the source of the Podesta leaks. But okay. I'm not sure. But anyway, Comey comes out. That's why Comey has to come out the next day on July 5th, because you can't have all these emails running around out there that are proving the case against Hillary Clinton, and the FBI is saying there's no case and no investigation. Right. So... So that's a problem. Well, there's a whole batch of so, them on the loose now. Yeah, there's a whole batch on the loose. Now you got to say she was extremely careless, right? Yeah, right. Um, right. So, so that's that's how we think. And then, of course, on the sixth, there's going to be meetings at the White House with Bob Creamer, with SEIU, and Joe Capone of this local bar. And then on the seventh, we're going to have this huge upload. I call it a mega upload. There's going to be a mega upload from the DNC moving that NGP van database, which is full of donors and full of volunteers, and they're going to move it all. They're going to move it all up to the Clinton Foundation. Because if there is a raid by the FBI, which there wouldn't be because McCain's running it, but if, if there right, would right. Uh, be, be somebody looking into those servers, they're going to see all the evidence. So they move it all to New York, uh, to the Clinton Foundation. So, uh, and, of course, Seth Rich is killed two days later. So that's kind of the um, that's kind of the chronology. Um, his his killer is caught two days later in a gun battle uh, on Capitol Hill, which causes a, a, I think a Capitol Hill shutdown. This is a guy named Joe Law, J O L L A H, and uh, I believe Joe Joe Law is a foreign operative, and the two people he hires to do the Seth Rich cat kidnapping are then killed, I think, uh, a day later in, um, or a day before that in uh, South Carolina. Right. Now, there's been another murder here of um, somebody involved in investigating this mess. Isn't there um, an attorney down in Debbie Wasserman's district? Schultz's, yeah. So that's Wiseant. Uh, Wiseant is uh, Bernie Wiseant, uh, really exceptional, a 37-year-old, like, up-and-coming black attorney, uh, U.S. Uh, attorney. Um, he was investigating what I was talking about with the visas and, and passports. So the New York Film Academy has uh, locations in Miami, Los Angeles, and New York. So what Andrew McCabe did is, while that story was breaking, he basically, just like the Clinton Foundation and the Human Foundation, he shards it. He cuts it into three sections. So in Los Angeles, you'll read about the EB-5. An EB-5 program basically means if you have a half million dollars, you can get a visa. Um, and then I think if you crank it up to a million dollars, you can get a, a passport. Um, they're going to have a similar program going down in Miami and a similar program going on in New York. So where does this money go to? For half a million dollars for a visa and a million for a Clinton Clinton Foundation. Clinton Foundation. Clinton Foundation. Yeah. Okay, so it all goes back there. 
Yeah, it's all laundered through the Clinton Foundation. If you think about it, it has to. You can't just give somebody at the uh, Customs and Border Patrol or State Department, you can't just come in with a check and say thanks. Now, with the EB-5 program, you actually can. Uh, you can give $500,000 to, you know, to the State Department and get in. But Hillary Clinton, through John Kerry as well, would have uh, control of approval of those EB-5s. So without the $50,000 contribution to go with it, you're not getting your EB-5. It's going to be the same thing for H-1Bs. H-1Bs are going to be more your low-level operatives that you're bringing in, like the Iwan brothers, for different for infiltration into different departments or different uh, uh, areas on, on Capitol Hill. So this guy was investigating that, and then he turns up dead, right in plain sight again for everybody to see. Yeah. What, what well, did they part tell of the, what, part of the pro- Go ahead. I said, I don't, I don't remember. What, did they drown him, or did they hit him in the head and then throw him in a river? What was the deal on that? I think he had blood force trauma to initially put him down, and then I think he was shot in the head and then just thrown in the water. Uh, but then he washed back up shore. And I think what you know, what you want to do is you want to get him in the water because you want all the uh, forensic evidence to, to not be there. And you want to send a message at the same time. So you're going to throw him in the water, I'm guessing about two miles out or maybe a mile out. And that gives you, uh, you know, like a day to get your team out of there. And then he's going to wash up as a message to, really, the message is to the law firm that, that Seth Rich lawsuit, uh, Seth uh, Lucas, Sean Lucas lawsuit, um, is still the, uh, still in play. Uh, and there's a guy named, uh, um, uh, I always have trouble, Beck, Beck, Jared Beck is the attorney. Uh, right. And we talked to him the day the body washed up, and uh, I tell you, he was he was shaken by that, you know. And now he's hit well, that no, same firm. Well, they've got threatening phone calls, haven't they? Haven't they gotten threatening yeah, phone calls Debbie, at law firm yeah. that they can expect to end yeah. up like that guy? Yeah, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, I think, actually uh, uh, uses a voice changer software to call them and threaten them, but she, she leaves the voice uh, the uh, caller ID on. So that's never good, because uh, that leaves uh, track. And and then there's another person now, Evelyn uh, Elizabeth Beck, the wife of Jared Beck, uh, also then says she is the assistant to the law firm Cullen. I think it's a guy named Cullen. I'm not sure. C U L L E N, saying he's getting death threats. So there's a lot of pressure. There's also there's also another lawsuit in Columbus for rigging the for rigging the. Um, for rigging the exit polling, you know, when their people leave at you know noon, uh, when the polls, polls first open, and you can kind of leak the exit polls. Sure. Um, so against Edison Media Research, and we've also interviewed that lawyer. His name is uh, uh, Robert Fitrakis, F I T R A K I S Fitrakis, and we had him on um, our our live. Um, YouTube Live, and he said he, it, it slipped. But he said the day, the minute Seth Rich, he was, they were working with them, uh, they're working with Seth Rich and a co-conspirator for their lawsuit. Um, and he said the he said the minute he died, the, the co-conspirator called him. Really? And I asked a series of yeah, I asked a series of questions. I said, are, are, do you have the do you know the name of the co-conspirator? Yes. Do you have the Phone number of the co-conspirator? Yes. Have you talked to the co-conspirator? Yes. Can you bring him on the show? Well, let me call him and ask him. Well, then later he recanted that testimony on Facebook. We haven't recorded. You have to go back and look at our videos. But 
Uh, I think that's going to be on crowdsourcethetruth.org. I think that's a crowdsourcethetruth.org uh, video. But anyway, um, uh, the you know that's that's never good because um, you've got one more conspirator out there. You you still right. have another conspirator, a DNC conspirator that's still alive. Right. And you're not getting anywhere and finding out and investigating actually the, the murder of Seth Rich. I mean, like the hospitals, the doctors that were involved. You're not getting really anywhere with that, are you? Well, you know, it, it I mean, and they're willing to, to where, talk to you. Yeah, it, it helps to look where things, where the evidence actually takes you rather than the detours that people are planning or the PR balloons that people put in front of you so you can't see the truth. You've got two PR guys um, that are kind of your PR balloons in this. You've got one hiding the family and what the family really thinks, called a guy named Brad Bauman, who used to work at SEIU. He's kind of the go-between between the DNC and the SEIU union. And then you've got another guy named Jack Berkman, who kind of comes from that same ilk of PR. Um, and he's supposed to be running a website of who killed Seth Rich, but he's actually turned that money into that site for uh, an attack on people doing the investigation as conspiracy theorists. And he's going to come from the same, uh, the same uh, uh, PR firm that Anthony Weiner worked for, which is going to be called MWW, or Monster Worldwide. Some people joke that it's, uh, it's Mossad Worldwide. It's not Mossad Worldwide. It's, 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 it's Monster Worldwide. Right. Well, I'm telling you, you have done such a good job in this investigation, and, and, it, and it's certainly ongoing, and... And I, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show again. And I, and I want to tell you that uh, the whole, all of us are so concerned about about your well-being. You know, I mean, they're just murdering anybody in plain sight. You know, and our worst fear now is having you something happen to you. And we're all praying well, for you, believe me. Yeah. Well, I'll wait till the music and be really about me uh it's it's really about everybody it's really about everyone in in the crowd and i, I just encourage everybody to look up the george webb videos and, and participate in uh, in the search and then go to crowdsourcethetruth.org and and participate if you want in the live discussions if you want more of a conversational format it's really a, a family puzzle it's not canasta any number can play and everybody can contribute by just taking any lead and doing a Google search and then sharing with us what you find. Right. Okay, George, well, thank you so much for coming on the show, and um, I hope to have you on again soon. Day by day, my life gets colder. 